I'm Brooke Hempel. I am head of research at Barna Group, doing research on the church and its intersection with faith and culture, reading and learning about people's perspectives on racial justice in our country. I was compelled to take a stance and to respond. And I'm Susan Robinson. I'm a big advocate for healing and hearing the pain and frustration, the fear that my friends of color were experiencing just compelled me to get more educated and more involved in the conversation about race in America. Race from Redemption exists to provide firsthand testimonies along with biblically and factually accurate nonpartisan content so that our listeners are empowered to pursue racial redemption right where they are planted. Join us as we listen, learn, lament, repent, and celebrate the restorative work Jesus is doing in our midst. Twenty-five-year-old Danielle Koch is a force to be reckoned with. She began her career as a designer and marketing manager at an event agency before branching out on her own in 2019. Danielle launched a social media and design agency serving mission-based brands while also dabbling in digital illustration on the side as another outlet for advocacy. 2020 rounded the corner, and in the face of horrific racial injustice, people everywhere decided that they had a part to play in the journey towards anti-racism. And she saw almost 300,000 new followers on her Instagram within one week. What started as a hobby for Danielle has blossomed into a brand new journey of using art and words to make complex social justice related issues more digestible and easy to understand for people around the world. Join her almost half a million followers on Instagram at ohappydanny and be sure to check out her digital downloads and prints available over on ohappydanny.com. Brooke and I have been huge fans of the work that you're doing and have used your resources yes. in multiple ways mm-hmm. at multiple times. And yes. has they've been a great source of education for us um, as white Christians trying to learn how to engage in social justice mm-hmm. and engage in race-based issues in America. And they've been especially good for people that I feel like maybe are a little resistant or a little bit hesitant mm-hmm. because I think the visual tone of them is disarming. Mm-hmm. But the content is very rich and strong. And so they're able to look at it and be like, oh, I can engage with this easily. There's that happy Danny aspect to it that I love. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But you really don't mince words and (laughs) you are very action oriented. And I think it's so critical the way that you must think about this. Like, did you intentionally choose to have those two things kind of melding together in the art that you're making? That's a great question. Thank you so much for your kind words, by the way. It (laughs) means the world to me. It really does. But I like to tell people that when I started this, it was Martin Luther King Jr. Day when I made my first illustration. Mm -hmm. And that was 2020. Yeah. Literally 2020. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, So this is always... I know that that's where we found you. Like a few weeks before COVID. You literally started (laughs) just doing that. Yes. So I I tell people all the time, I have these social justice related conversations, race and all that stuff. Like those are conversations I have with my family, with my friends Mm -hmm. offline. It's kind of something that I am actually passionate about. But my outlet at the time was through my design agency where Mm -hmm. I was doing graphic design and social media marketing for positive mission based brands who were on the ground doing the work Mm -hmm. and didn't always have like the social platform following kind of thing to back it up. So that's how I was serving in that way. And so when I started doing art for fun, like I got my iPad for Christmas of 2019 and I was like, oh, I could draw a little something. Oh, this is fun. Word. Wow. And um, I've always been super creative, wanting to do stuff with my hands. And so 
it was just kind of a natural hobby to pick up. When I drew that first illustration on MLK Day, I was like, hmm, I'm just going to say how I feel about this. It's just my <laughs> friends and family who follow me like it. Yeah. <laughs> right? And so I'm going to say, you know, I feel like we've painted his legacy one way. When it, He was a radical disruptor. He, mm-hmm. This man went to jail so many times. Mm-hmm. The majority of the people in his day did not even like him. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to say, you know, we're, we're painting him one way, I feel like, on this day when we really should remember who he really was and what he stood for. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw that people were sharing it, I said, huh, experiment. What if yeah. I keep going with this? It's Black History Month next month. Right. So I can keep making art that speaks to these hard topics, but it's pretty. It's fun to look at. Mm-hmm. And like you said, People are disarmed when they first engage with it because mm-hmm. illustration is often associated with nostalgia, our mm-hmm. childhood. We never mm. think that an illustration is going to punch us in the mm-hmm. gut, you know? And so it was mainly an experiment. It was a tool that I was using. Mm-hmm. And so as I continued to draw about different topics like nuances with microaggressions and mm-hmm. how we can navigate race conversations mm-hmm. in a way that amplifies the community that we're seeking to serve. And I just kept making nuanced graphics like that and saw that people were really, really, really sharing it. What started as a fun thing became like a, hmm, let me try doing it this way. And then it turned into a, wow, this is working. God is using this yes, yeah. in a way that I never, yes. ever anticipated. And yeah. then summer rolled around and we saw yeah. how yeah. It, it was time. It you was time. Positioned. Right. Yeah. Yes. And so, that's yeah, that's amazing. kind of how I got there and how I decided to use illustration as more than just a pretty thing to look at, but a tool. You mentioned your agency that you did work from and yes. you created that mm-hmm. as a 25 year old. Mm-hmm. You got out of college. You worked at an events agency. Yes. And as a side note, you kind of had a boss that was not passionate. Right. And vocally not passionate yeah. about talking about diversity and these issues. Right. And then you branched out on your own, started this creative agency that you were working from. Mm-hmm. And then you were quickly positioned and ready to move to do the things that you're doing that equipped all of us during Mm. the season of growing. I mean, that is so inspirational. And talk about God working through someone that is available. What was that like for you? Like, Mm -hmm. did you, how did you feel him leading you through those couple of years? And as Mm. you grew so quickly, how did you stay in touch with the vision he had given you? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I found myself in predominantly white spaces for a while. It was mm-hmm. the nature of my work. And then church-wise, it's just the environments that I was finding myself in. So when I got my job at this events agency, it, once again, it was a predominantly white space. Mm-hmm. And so it was me, the only Black woman. And then there was, I worked with another Black male, but we were the two. We had another young lady who was half white, half Hispanic. So she was also like a minority representation. But other than that, it was just us. Mm-hmm. And so As the organization started to grow, I was noticing that there were comments being said. There was insensitive things taking place, things that I felt like could be easily rectified with Hmm. a intentional approach to diversity, equity, inclusion in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And for our listeners, these are called microaggressions. When we talk about microaggressions, that's what you're feeling and hearing. Yeah, exactly. The interpersonal things that people do in conversation or just being in the same Mm -hmm. space that have, honestly, racist undertones that people don't always realize. And so Mm. things like that were happening. A lot of things were also pretty not implicit. They were pretty Mm -hmm. explicit as well. Mm -hmm. Macro, not micro. Yeah, exactly. And I also like to tell people when they talk about microaggressions versus, you know, the idea of a macroaggression, I know there are Black people especially who don't like the term because it feels as though it minimizes any any degree or level of racism. But Mm. I like to remind people 
Micro is not an indication of the slight, like the size of the slight. Mm -hmm. It is talking about micro happening person to person. Mm -hmm. So that's Mm -hmm. just us saying it's a microaggression because it happens between me and you. Okay. Um, It doesn't minimize the amount of racism that Mm -hmm. is involved in that. So I always like to remind people of that because it helps us to remember our Mm -hmm. one-on-one interactions are so, so important. And that's what I wanted to bring to the attention of my boss. And so we actually sat down, had a meeting, and I said, look, love working here. It's great. I just feel like, you know, we could tighten up a little bit in this area. I'd love us to recognize other holidays. I'd love us to be more involved in recruiting, hiring people who look like me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I just brought it to his attention because we had a really open environment. He was like, you know, I've never really been passionate about that. It's not something I've ever really been interested in. I can't see us using like company resources to do something like that. Mm, and wow. I know we were a small business, but you're not that small. I mean, I mean. <laughs> DEI, like that's kind of, I feel like that's a bit standard, especially no, nowadays. It right. should be. Yeah. So I was very, very shocked. And, and hurt. Very yeah. hurt. And you know what he also said? And this is kind of what set me up to really start talking about these issues in this way. He had told me that he's never seen color. Well, and that's the struggle right there, the yes, colorblindness issue. Exactly. We've talked about that in some episodes before of mm-hmm. how people think that that's helpful and it's very counterproductive. It's very counterproductive because you got to see me. If you're not right. seeing that I'm a Black female, you are completely just disinterested mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. all of the struggles that come along with that. Mm-hmm. So actually, I didn't let him know anything in that moment. I actually was just like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trying to process Hold that. Back. Got it. <laughs> and I let myself know that this is not an environment that I could see myself flourishing in. And it took a couple other things for me to finally make that move and leave. But when I did, God was so faithful and met me right there with companies that I could connect with, other mission-based organizations that could use the work who were actually doing the work out there in the real world. And I was able to partner alongside them in a really fun way and use the passions that I had along with graphic design, Mm -hmm. to make a difference. I love being able to use the gifts that I've been given, plus the needs that we see in the world and come together and be like, this is my purpose in this moment that Mm, I can walk out. So yeah, it happened so beautifully in that way. And it was like you said, a really natural transition into the art because I was in the space. I was doing the work and also learning from other organizations who had always been doing the work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm. So this former boss may not have been interested in hiring creatives of color and being intentional about that. Mm -hmm. But I know that there are many employers that are looking to diversify their employees Mm -hmm. and find freelancers that Mm -hmm. are people of color. Could you give some advice on where they could go to maybe tap into resources that introduce them to designers, art directors, photographers, just creatives that are of color? So I know of many different websites that are purposefully aggregating information of Black creatives and Mm -hmm. creatives of color where they can go on and Mm -hmm. get their contact information and seek them out. I also know LinkedIn was huge for me because Mm -hmm. as a creator, I can only really speak from the creator's perspective because I've never been in the position to want to like hire, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, I'm trying to get hired. (laughs) Yeah. And so as a creator of color, LinkedIn was beautiful for me because I would get on there and naturally post about the subject matter that I was already Mm. illustrating. Mm -hmm. And so people would seek me out and say, hey, my company is actually trying to work on this project Mm -hmm. and we want to support a creator of color. And so I would say, if there's a specific kind of thing that you're wanting to create, there's work already out there. Think of the illustrations that you come across that are inspirational for you and you or the projects that you come across and you're like, oh, this is something I want to emulate in my business. Mm. Well, who did it? 
Mm-hmm. Who actually made that project? Who actually drew that? Who was behind the scenes? Okay. That could be a really good starting point. Well, can I ask a little bit about sort of your process for creating some of these pieces? Because we talked about how you're pretty intentional about they are full of rich information and insights, but yet they're like beautiful and they're inviting and warm. So how do you think about like, what am I going to illustrate? How do you choose that? Do you do research that goes into it? And where does your kind of inspiration ultimately tie that together? Yes. So the biggest, longest part of my process is the research. And it might not always look like that way at the end when you're looking at this very simple illustration with a really cool caption. It's like, in the back end, the only way I'm able to simplify that content for you is because I fielded so much information on the front end. Okay. Mm, and interesting. so, yeah. So for me, I like to always tell people that I am I listen. I listen so hard to everything that's going on around me. Mm. So I'm listening to what's happening in the world at large as a whole, like COVID-19 mm-hmm. or <laughs> Black Lives Matter, you know? And then most importantly, I'm listening to the conversations happening in my communities. Mm. So whether it's the conversations that I'm processing through with my friends or on my social media, when people are DMing me or commenting or what they're posting about, these are people having real conversations and really trying to navigate what in the world is happening. And so while I'm listening to what's happening all together, I'm really trying to see, okay, let me anticipate the needs here of the community. Mm-hmm. Because of this situation, what might they be asking themselves? What mm. might they be trying to process through? How They're probably wondering, how can I serve uh, in this season during this huge... So I can even give an example because I'm speaking yeah. very broadly. But I did one piece about why COVID-19 was ravaging the Black community. Mm-hmm. So in the world, it's COVID-19. Um, black people are dying at a disproportionate rate. And I wanted to capture that. But I also knew people would be wondering why. Like, yes. Very well-meaning people who just don't know all the back end of it mm-hmm. are like, wait, but why is this happening? What do I need to know that I'm missing? And so with the piece, I am addressing COVID-19, but I'm also saying here's the root cause of why the Black mm-hmm. community is being disproportionately affected. It's systemic racism. Mm-hmm. So that's the root. And each branch I talked about housing discrimination. I talked about a lack of access to healthcare. And I got really specific about the branches that are offshoots of systemic Mm. racism as a whole. And then so smart within the leaves, I'm mentioning like the very specific effects as a result of all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Like here's how it's happening and here's what it's resulting in, in these communities. And then I would draw an arrow and saying, and this is what makes it a high COVID-19 risk. It's because Mm. for example, a lack of access to healthcare is meaning that people are living, they're also living in close communities. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these black communities, like people are living in close, closer quarters and they're, Mm -hmm. it's a high COVID-19 risk. And so, I would get very specific. And then, so I'm answering the question of here's what's happening, which helps to maintain relevancy and people see the work and they're like, yeah, this is actually something happening in the world. And yeah, I was wondering why Mm -hmm, that was happening. mm -hmm. And if if there is anything I can do to help. And so that's always what I want to answer as well. I want to, as often as possible, give people action steps to do Mm -hmm. something about it. Because while everything doesn't seem hopeful and optimistic all the time, as much as I want it to be, Mm There's hope, I think, in every moment. And so I try to find that as often as I can. That's huge as an artist, though, that you're thinking all the way down to not only like you just expressing something, but you helping people understand 
and figure out what steps to take to get to a desired end. That's yeah. like, that's very strategic. way far ahead. Yes. So that's like, <laughs> and strategic. Yeah. 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 And I love that you're anticipating the questions that people are going to have from the fact or the statement that you're making. Mm-hmm. And you're going ahead and answering that and equipping them mm-hmm. to be able to be a part of the change that they want right. to be. Right. Exactly. Right. Which also I think is beautiful because you are assuming that people want to be a part of the change. Like right. that's a really beautiful, optimistic view. Now, that obviously is not always the case. Right, right, right. But if you equip those who are wired that way, then the more power to them. Yeah, exactly. And I think also that's a responsibility I have as a believer, which is the nuance of being in this social justice space Mm -hmm. as a follower of Jesus. It's very tricky to navigate sometimes because there's the very hopeless, in a sense, view of the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, Black people are not responsible for educating anyone about race. Mm -hmm. And if no one wants to do that, I will never blame you. But for me, making the decision to to help in Mm -hmm. a way I can within my capacity also comes with having to navigate a lot of those nuances. And so, yeah, I believe that if someone wants to help and I have the capacity to help in that moment and help guide the best I can, because I like to say, I'm an accidental activist. <laughs> I did not ever anticipate that my <laughs> life would take this turn. And I think a lot of Black people who find themselves in the position that they are now with educating or making resources or anything like that, a lot of them probably didn't wake up and say, yeah, I'm going to do this for the rest of my mm. life. But there was a need and there was a sense of urgency and we are passionate about it because mm-hmm. we live it every day, you know? And, and so, so generous with your life. Like, yeah. I always like to point out to our yeah. listeners that people of color that step up to the plate and do this day after day after day, there's a huge level of sacrifice mm-hmm. and generosity that they're sharing their life and pouring it out mm-hmm. for other people willing and risking getting hurt, mm-hmm. rejected, exhausted, mm-hmm. yeah. disappointed, discouraged. It's We're thankful. We're thankful for the sacrifice and the courage you're showing yeah. to do this day after day. Yeah, I appreciate that too, especially since I didn't realize the toll that 2020 had mm. on me right? Wow. in so many different ways. But also, as someone who was consistently trying to give, 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 mm-hmm. I was, I mean, burnt out isn't even mm. the word. I, I came to the end of the year and I was like, I literally am so, so physically exhausted. And I touched on this a little bit, I think yesterday, the day before, the physical stamina that it takes to consistently engage in these conversations. I know other people in the activism space who literally have taken on physical hobbies because their body cannot withstand the daily effects of racial trauma. Especially when you're, it's not just me experiencing it in my day-to-day, but it's also me actively engaging with it, ingesting all the information, using the platform that I've been given to talk about it, and then continue to live it. Yeah, It's a lot. It's a lot. And so I'm realizing even this year how much I need to take care of my body Mm -hmm. and my soul Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because I can't... I've gone like 70% slower this year than I did last year because I just... Good. I'm thinking about the episode we did with Maya Moore where she was talking about the importance of rest and Mm -hmm. Sabbath when you're engaging in racial justice issues and that you you can't sustain it without having that rest and that Sabbath. I'm so, you're so wise. I can't believe you're 25. (laughs) You are 25. Like, wow. I'm blown away. And I'm thinking about how you said that, I mean, really, it was a year ago you mm-hmm. decided to make your first post and for your friends and family that were following you on Instagram. 
And I mean, within a couple of months, you had like one week where 300,000 people started Mm -hmm. following you in one week. Yes. (laughs) That, I mean... That in and of itself must have been extremely overwhelming and exhausting. And you think of the responsibility that just suddenly was on you to mm-hmm. guide now almost half a million people mm-hmm. that are listening and looking to you to kind of guide and show them where to go. Right. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. It's a lot. And we've also, one of the things we talk about here on Race and Redemption is this idea of virtue signaling. And, you know, there we've seen there was this huge rush of people last summer that felt very activated and wanted to get involved. And But we've also seen kind of this fall off mm-hmm. that's happened of engagement and interest. I know at Barna, this, the research that they've been doing, statistically, they've shown. Yes. There's less motivation mm-hmm. to get involved compared to even years prior, which yeah. is shocking and, and sad. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think some of it is compassion fatigue. I yeah. think everyone's fatigued a little bit. I'm interested to hear if you've seen that as far as engagement with people. You have this huge rush of people following you. Have they stayed actively engaged mm-hmm. and interested or have you seen kind of some of this fatigue happening too? Yeah. So I think I've seen a little bit of both. The The platform that I have, it is so, so wild because Again, I was in the social media marketing space and I've never seen anything like what has happened to not just me, but several accounts. Yes. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, what's interesting about my account is that I've still been seeing pretty consistent growth. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because after a year of so much just every negative emotion you could probably think of, a lot of people are looking for hope to sustain Mm -hmm. them. And so that's part of the reason why I have that hopeful lean in my work because I want mm-hmm. to remind people like, so when you sign up for an anti-racist lifestyle, it's a way of life. So Amen. every day you will learn, you will make a mistake. Mm-hmm. You'll look up and it's looking like someone got canceled when in reality, the accountability and the mm-hmm. consequences of actions are coming to light. And while I definitely agree that but there's a lot going on that we don't really need to engage in as far as like tearing people down to the mm-hmm. ground. But I also definitely believe that when you're living this lifestyle, you'll realize that there's some things that you were doing before that you can no longer do. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe uh, things you were supporting that you realize this does not align with my values that I now hold. And so... Well, like we see Beth Moore leaving oh Southern Baptist Convention yesterday. Uh-huh. Announcing, that yeah. was yesterday? Yeah. And I did not even see she that. She walked away from her deal with LifeWay. She's in the... The door, the wide open wow. door, unfortunately. Yes. I didn't even hear about that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Think it, It's just, there's a cost. And I think people didn't realize how heavy that cost might be in their own personal lives. They saw and they're like, oh yeah, I need to stand up. I need to make a change. And then there's family tensions with some people. There's just, there's a cost. Consequences on your job. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so- That's also something that I want to do more of um, equipping people for even this year and reminding people of, as well as myself, like this journey, there's growth and and it's continuous. It's for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And so this isn't something that people can sign on to and be like, oh, I'm tired and leave. You know, even though that's what we see, I, I really want to encourage people that, yeah, there's a journey and you can find other people to connect with and say, you were, yeah, we're in it for the long haul. Mm-hmm. And it's going to, with every new trending topic, like, you know, currently discussing Meghan Markle. The other mm-hmm. day we were discussing Dr. Seuss. Mm-hmm. And this kind of stuff is just going to continue to appear for a lot yeah. of people, even though people like myself have known about Dr. Seuss for years. But when you're new to the conversation, 
things that you discover mm-hmm. might seem very jarring at mm-hmm. first. And it's like, ah, another thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, another it's thing. It's been there. Another mm-hmm. thing. It's been there. Mm-hmm. And you're going to, the rest of your life, as long as you're dedicated to this, be prepared to count the cost, mm-hmm. but know that it's so worth it because mm-hmm. we're in the business of liberation. Mm-hmm. Ooh, and love that. people, we want to be free, you know? Yeah. And so we all have a part to play. And I'm consistently daily counting that cost and, and realizing that mm. if this is the way God wants me to lay my life down in pursuit of the ultimate good for everybody, I'm willing to pay the price. Wow. Mm. I love wow. that. What a beautiful picture of living mm. on mission. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, Just, right? It's gorgeous. So you said liberation. Yes. It made me mm-hmm. think about what you chose to focus on for Black History Month. Mm-hmm. Um, you made a conscious effort to focus on liberation instead of education. Right, right. I'd love to hear your mindset behind that. Yes. So I actually, I follow this account on Instagram called The Nap Ministry. Yeah. <laughs> so we had Cole from Black Liturgies as one of our guests, and oh, she amazing. talked about The Nap Ministry too. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, she is setting us free. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just the idea of... Uh, radical rest. Mm. And so well, she had made a post and she said, happy Black History Month. Y'all ain't getting nothing extra from us. We are resting. <laughs> and I said, you know what? <laughs> yeah. Because in my head, I had all these things like that I could talk about and all these things I could do. And I could, and then I was just like, wait, but I'm actually pretty tired. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I could use the rest. And then another part of that angle of liberation was me wanting to center the celebration that Black History Month should be about instead of a lot of it can be like people focusing on the struggles of the past, Mm -hmm. people focusing Mm -hmm. on all the really, really hard things. Mm -hmm. When I feel like these heritage months that we celebrate throughout the year are meant to shine a light on the beauty, the excellence, celebrate uh, the contributions, Mm -hmm. the good Mm -hmm. things that Mm -hmm. these communities have brought Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. the table. And so I wanted to recognize that. And that involved a lot of what I did on my own, engaging with Black literature and just learning from so many different voices from past and present, but also online amplifying, hey, here's some children's books written by Black authors that Mm -hmm. celebrate Black liberation. Mm -hmm. Here's just a list. And uh, this words from Toni Morrison really touched me this month and really reminded me about the importance of creativity and why art is so needed in the season. I'm just going to share them with you guys. Mm -hmm. And it's just helpful to paint Black voices in the light of, hey, we are more than our struggle. Mm. And we're more than what is difficult. There's so much joy to be celebrated. And we're more than, you know, the speaker about race at your conference. It's like, we love reading. We love Mm -hmm. literature. We love having fun. We have hobbies and interests (laughs) and specialties that that go beyond the struggle of the race and justice conversation as beautiful and needed as it is. It's not all of who we are. And I wanted to remember that and express that during Black History Month. And that meant me not even posting as much as I thought I would. And that was okay. That is A-okay. Mm-hmm. That was okay because I'm not a resource. I'm a person. Mm. Yeah. Mm. You are so healthy. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Oh, it's been a, a year-long journey. <laughs> yes. But that's something I always remind people as well. Like, you're not a resource. You're a person. Yeah. And for me, what I create is a reflection of my scope and my sphere of influence in this point in time and my own personal life experiences. And so it'll never encapsulate all of what you might want it to be, mm-hmm. uh, especially as a person of faith. That's going to play into the artwork. And mm. not everybody's going to like that, but I mean, that's who I am. I'm not a textbook. So 
I love to remind myself of that. And last month was a really good reminder of that. I'm not a resource. I'm a person. And I was able to lean in and celebrate all of what makes us awesome. Man, (laughs) I love hearing all of this. So did you grow up within your family kind of having these conversations? And I'm interested to learn like where all this wisdom. That's exactly what I was going to go. I I know we have parents listening right now. We're like, how do I do this with my kids? (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. It's incredible. Yeah. So, well, growing up in a black family, you know, a lot of the stuff that I actually talk about now is was inherent. Like, there's just, you know, unwritten rules that we lived by. Like my mom telling my brother not to wear his hoodie when he's walking to the corner store. You know, like things like that um, were just our way of life. But I think I had a series of very difficult spiritual experiences mm-hmm. growing up. Like I, I often share about how I left a very spiritually abusive church environment that was very legalistic workspace. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was everything I knew. All my loved ones, friends, wow. even my work was tied up mm. in this system. Mm. And I was a freshman in college when I wanted to leave because I said, God, there's got to be more to you than this. Mm. And I sat with my Bible one day and I was like, so you're going to have to show me like uh, who you are and what this faith life really is about because it cannot be about all these rules that I can't keep up with. Mm-hmm. So. I opened my Bible to Romans. Romans to this day is my absolute favorite book of the Bible because I was introduced to the idea of grace. Mm. I was like, whoa! (laughs) Uh, Grace and mercy and the idea that the debt is paid. And that realization caused me to fall so deeply in love with Jesus. And I started learning more about the idea of love. And then Luke 10, 27, the verse of my life, loving the Lord with all your heart, all Mm -hmm. your soul, all your mind and all your strength and loving your neighbor as yourself, I realized the love that I have for my neighbor is a natural outflow and reflection of the love that God has for me and that I Mm -hmm. have for him. And it's not something that I have to work for like I thought I had to work for everything else, Mm -hmm. but it's a love that's filling me up and it just flows out. There's a verse I never remember the where it is in the Bible, but it is one of my favorite verses And someone actually messaged it to me one day and they said, I saw this message translation of this verse and it just reminded me of you. All right, I'm already about to cry. Thank you. (laughs) But she said, it said, may the love of God fill you up and splash over on everyone around you. Mm. I was like, yeah, what it's Ephesians way. that you'll be filled with the love of God to overflowing. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. That's, yeah. That sounds right. I need to find where that verse is at. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> I knew Luke 10, 27, you guys. So it's <laughs> yeah. You are killing it. Don't you worry about that. There's Google for that. Yeah, yeah. it's more about the word being in your heart, yeah. not the scripture That's reference. Right. Okay? True. There, there it go. is. Yes. So after that experience, I just had such a bigger heart for justice, a bigger heart for loving other people. And I found that in the way I love other people also shines through in the way I want them to be educated and Mm -hmm. have their eyes opened to the ways that we can all love each other better. Yeah. And so I say that's that, the gospel. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, isn't that why we share the gospel? Yeah. We want people to live alive and fully aware of the truth. Yeah. Right. This is part of that. Absolutely. Mm. And as someone who grew up in a very religious system, I even saw this quote uh, the other day that said, if I have to choose between loving my neighbor and loving my religion, I'm choosing to love my neighbor because Man. I was never commanded to love my religion. Ooh. And I was like, that 
is it right there. (laughs) Absolutely. That is how I want to live my life. And I always say that my art helps people to love their neighbors well. If I were to encapsulate it, that's what I would want the, the heart of it all to be. And so even today, that might not mean that I'm actively jumping into every conversation that's trending because I always have to remember the mission. It's like, yeah, yeah, I could talk about that, but is that commentary going to guide others in loving their neighbors well? Or am I venting? Mm. Venting Mm. is fine. Do I need to vent online to half a million people right now? Or being stretched too thin. Yes. Stretched so thin. Yes. That without without having boundaries and a clear vision, like even your message will become diluted. Right, right. And you're not letting culture define what you're saying and what you're doing. Absolutely. That you have a vision from God, you have knowledge and heart, and you're staying on task. And I think that's one of the reasons you're so effective. Yeah. Yeah. People can see that. Oh, that's awesome. communication. Even if you don't say it, they can see it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's awesome. Well, that's very encouraging to hear. I have quite the testimony in that regard of what God has brought me out of. Mm -hmm. And I have a very loving and supportive family who's always been there. And um, it's that journey, I think, that God really wanted to shape and mold me Mm -hmm. to be able to do what I do now. Mm -hmm. He needed to give me a full experience into the liberating power of his love because that's what's setting me up to love and liberate now. Woo! Oh, yes. oh, I so love good. this. Like you're so you're so full of inspiration and hope. Like, do you do you have a vision for the next couple of years? Yeah. Like where he's sending you. Like, what would you mm. want to accomplish? Like, I'd love to know what's next. New yeah. areas that you want to grow in. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. I have a lot of dreams. I am very passionate about the idea of the heart and the home. Mm. I feel like that's where the most radical change has to take place. We've got to make sure that we're doing the heart work, letting God do the heart work in us, and then doing the work in our homes to uh, raise children who are hopeful, mm-hmm. anti-racist, um, and wanting to fight for an equitable and just world. And so for me, I really want to take the impact of the art online and find a way to let it translate into people's homes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, w- I would love to get into making meaningful art, meaningful things that people can put up that start conversations when people come into their homes. Mm. They're like, tell me more about what that means. And then you're Mm. having these conversations in your homes. And that's where your sphere of influence honestly really begins. And so that's something I really want to tap into. And I'm having some opportunities now to work on that for the future. Uh, So that's really exciting. And then I really want to get into more educational resources. And so trying to find the best way to do that, as someone who creates illustrated infographics, it can be hard to say like, how can I turn this into a resource? But I'm finding ways and I'm wanting to find more ways where teachers can have very inclusive hmm. pieces of art or posters or any kind of resource that they can use that echoes diversity, representation, mm-hmm. and um, it's tangible for them and their students even for adults, Mm -hmm. like trying to find a way to package some really helpful, inspirational, educational resources that people can have. Maybe it's when they're talking in their small groups about this kind of thing. Like, so the possibilities are truly endless. And because like my brain goes a million miles a second. I see it. It's so hard. It's unfolding right before us. It's It's, beautiful. It's so, so, so hard. But as of right now, I'm planning a, a spring launch for some new artwork and I have a lot of other things that I'm working on that I (laughs) Uh will love to share with you the minute they're live. Okay. Um, But I'm really tapping into more art in the home and educational resources and whatever else comes will be an outflow of that, 
I believe that. Well, we'll be watching the space for the next thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so make sure that you guys are following her on Instagram at oh happy Danny O H happy Danny. And her website is ohhappydanny.com where you can already buy posters and mm-hmm. she already has some mm-hmm. resources available. But mm-hmm. I'm sure that's where you're going to be uploading for people to shop as these things become available. Right. Which sounds so important. And speaking of your Instagram, you have been doing some live streams where you've been talking for 20 or 30 minutes, kind of educating your followers on engaging in different aspects of racial justice. And one of the questions we always like to close with here at Race and Redemption is what are some tangible ways that white Christians can move from questions to change? Mm. So I'd love to hear maybe pulling from some of those live streams or even some things you've not shared that could be some steps that the white Christians that are listening to this episode could kind of become involved and, and be a part of the change where God's planted them. Awesome. You know, I love tangible action. Yeah. So that's a great question. <laughs> I might actually even share something that I haven't shared yet, but I've actually been thinking of mm-hmm. um, trying to find a way to communicate this. So you're here first, I guess. All right. <laughs> I love it. We got an exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> so when we are watching what's unfolding in the news or hearing what's trending, I think a really great posture for white Christians to step into would be, how is this news going to affect my brothers and sisters of color? And how can I anticipate that need um, and Mm -hmm. fill it with an action step? So to be very tangible, uh, Meghan Markle, the whole situation there. One thing that I shared that I saw on Instagram was talking about how colorism is what got her into the palace and anti-Blackness is what got her out of there. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to that nuance, it's just a reflection of other conversations that people of color are having within their own communities. Mm-hmm. It's awakening a lot of struggles that we've had. And so we're starting to recount like, yeah, all the little microaggressions that she's describing are things that I've dealt with in the workplace. Mm-hmm. So even right there, as a white Christian, do you work with people of color? You probably do work with people of color. And so I will never forget at my old job, we were sitting with a team meeting and somebody had posed the question, a leader had posed the question, what can we focus on in this new year as a business? And a white Christian coworker said, you know, I would really love us to have more diverse people that work here. I would love more black people, more people of color to come into the door. And me as a black woman, I was just like, you said that? And I didn't have to say it. Mm. That simple, simple step Mm. of, you recognizing, anticipating a need and being the one to voice it before mm. one of us had to do it. So simple, so powerful. I'll never forget good. it. Though. That's good. Mm. And people wonder, oh, that's a really simple thing. Oh, it's the simple things. Mm. People often describe living with microaggressions and small racial slights as like death by a thousand cuts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just so... The little foxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And so I would encourage people to find those little ways in their own environments. Like even in your church in your small groups, in places where they're smaller, but you know that there's things happening in the world that are probably affecting your brothers and sisters, how can you, without even involving them and sometimes, advocate for something, Mm -hmm. for change Mm. on their behalf? Mm. I think that's really, really powerful. And finding small ways to do that makes a a world of a difference. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's very unique to wherever God has placed us and our Mm -hmm. context that we're in. So we can't like prescribe, this is the thing. Right, right, right. right. It's going to be different for every person. Right, right, right. But to have eyes to see that and anticipate. I love that you said anticipate kind of what's coming. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's right. And it's that 
to me, the relational healing, that knowing, real knowing of each other, that's when we're going to get to that place of racial redemption. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's coming through an awareness of, like you said, not even having to say anything. That person knew you, mm-hmm. but also knew the need. The need, right. That's knew it. the yep. need yes. yep. and was willing to speak up. I always say this about the teachers that we have with our kids and the faculty and the staff. I want my white children yes. to sit under the authority and leadership Absolutely. of teachers and principals yeah. and heads of school so that that's a very normal thing yeah. for them to see excellence, mm-hmm. yes, mm-hmm. authority, authority. Mm-hmm. and it's not an unusual thing for them that they're uh-huh. even going to have to advocate as they grow up. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You are amazing. Oh, I am like, so blessed. I can talk us. to you forever. <laughs> we just, like I said, have been huge fans. We're cheering you on. We're so thankful for your resources. Listeners, I cannot tell you strongly enough to go follow Danielle. She is doing amazing work and it's a great place to find just simple resources that are very actionable, very accessible that you can share with your followers and people in your life. And like she said, she's coming out with prints and all kinds of stuff you can use in your home. Mm-hmm. I think there's so many different ways that we're going to see you grow and flourish in the years to come. So thank you for taking oh, time to be with us. Thank you here. so much. This truly was a very life-giving conversation for me. So I appreciate you having me. joining us today for the Race and Redemption podcast. Make sure not to miss an episode by clicking the subscribe button on our page wherever you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Instagram at Race and Redemption so you can join the conversation today. This episode was produced by Matt Owen for Soul Graffiti Productions.